The early months of a baby's life consist of crucial neurodevelopmental windows that lay the groundwork for later outcomes. So we're on a mission to help parents and professionals look at development through a holistic lens. By creating homes that promote connection through play, we can make a huge difference in our little ones for years to come. So this episode will be a little bit different this week. We have decided that I'm going to get on here and share a little bit about my own journey with postpartum depression and some anxiety and that kind of thing. Um, And so I really just wanted to just kind of open up a little bit and share this with our listeners because I do feel like it's something that we don't talk about nearly enough. You know, it's it's kind of hard because like these sad and depressing things obviously are hard to bring up and just, you know, your casual conversations with other people. Um, it's really kind of a mood killer. And so, yeah, it's really just a difficult thing to try to navigate like and balance sharing with other people and then at the same time not oversharing but still kind of like um, keeping it an ongoing discussion and because um, I think in doing that we make each other feel like oh you know I'm not so crazy it's not just me I can talk to other people about this and they're not gonna judge me and you know you know whatever report me to social services as being an unfit parent <laughs> you know all that kind of thing so yeah anyways so I me and my husband had three kids in the span of two years. Um, Our oldest we adopted from foster care and then a few months after her being placed in our home uh, birthed our other daughter Um, and then her and my third baby they were 19 months apart and so yeah that all happened right within um, two years. So I mean I don't really remember having any depressive symptoms not like significantly with my first baby. Um, I was just absolutely on cloud nine and uh, in shock really that something so amazing could exist on this side of heaven. Um, You know, there were some hard moments, but overall no like lasting depression or anything like that. Um, Now with my son who is now 13 months old, I know that I definitely have had undiagnosed postpartum depression. and I'll talk more about that later, why, you know, it's undiagnosed and that kind of thing. But um, it was harder for me having him in the summer months because at the time my husband had a very demanding job, like summer was the season that it was intense. Um, and so he was gone a lot and I ended up having all three of our kids and it was the summer and so my oldest was home from school. Um, and then there is also the confounding factor of compounding factor of not being able to sleep whenever the baby slept because there are two other kids to keep alive and happy as best as I could. Um, and then on top of that, we were in the process of house hunting and moving. And um, the the biggest thing, though, was right before um, my youngest was born, um, I ended up losing my grandpa, um, which was just a pretty earth-shattering thing for me. I've been so fortunate to never have lost a close loved one, um, 
not, you know, being old enough to remember it, you know. Um, so really, that that was the most difficult thing to recover from in all of the craziness that was happening. And honestly, still haven't recovered. I don't know if you ever do, but rather you just kind of adjust. Um, but yes, so that, that was just a little bit of a picture of what was going on in our lives at the time. A lot of craziness, but you know, nothing too intense, like have a wonderful family and support system. Um, there were a little bit geographically isolated at the time. Um, we lived about an hour away from them, but we still saw people regularly. Um, you know, had all my basic needs met and more, um, didn't really want for anything, but you know, there's just a lot of life happening. And so to just go over some of the symptoms that I had, um, I'll talk about that a little bit, but I, I just want to say that it was really hard for me in all of this to put a finger on any one thing being like really wrong with me um, because these symptoms really shifted over time and, you know, it would change which ones I was experiencing. And so, you know, I always attributed it to just life with three kids and, you know, these stressors that would come up. Um, but I just say that to say, you know, don't make light of things you might be experiencing, even if they're transient, because a lot of times they do morph into other weird things that aren't normal. Um, but, you know, I was very weepy initially, um, crying, just overwhelming, overwhelmed to the point of tears, you know, even with things that weren't that big of a deal. Um, like I mentioned, a lot of the overwhelm came from just being socially isolated a lot just with family being a little bit further and my husband being gone so much of the day and into the evenings too and you know you spend your whole days talking to little tiny people it starts to make you feel like you're going crazy but then at the same time with that social isolation there's just also this strong desire to not talk to anybody which is where you know the issue lies um, so that was another symptom. Another thing I experienced was just not having any interest in doing anything at all. And usually I'm a, a dreamer, I guess you could say. Um, I have a lot of crazy ideas. Um, and yeah, usually I'm, I'm pretty like artistic or, you know, want to get into a craft or read a book or something or do a project. But really I just found it hard to have any, you know, it was just kind of like a, well, what's the point type of thing. Um, so that was bad. Um, I experienced just overwhelming brain fog. Still not really figured that one out, but, <laughs> um, I would be, you know, it really came to affect my work. So I'd be just talking to moms and would just trail off completely in the middle of a sentence and have no clue at all what I was even talking about. Um, and of course that carried over to home as well. And so it was just, you know, one more thing to juggle, you know, you've got all these kids screaming at you and then you walk into a room three different times and can't remember, you know, why you walked in there. Um, <laughs> it's another hard thing to manage. Um, and then, you know, initially I was weepy, but then I got to the point where 
I would be sad, but like totally unable to cry, could not make any tears come. Another thing that I think I should throw in here is just like there was a lot of, there were a lot of social things that I think worsened my condition. And this might sound terrible, but um, I just want to be honest. I have my, my oldest daughter, you know, she has a lot of special needs, very emotional special needs. And honestly, for a really long time, I, I would not even like admit to myself that she was a child with special needs because, it, which is terrible to say, like I work every day with people with disabilities. Um, but of course, they're often more physical. And so it's just the silliest thing that I refuse to admit to myself that, you know, my child has special needs just because she's not in a wheelchair and it is a more invisible disability. Um, I think I was just in denial a lot about how intense of care that she requires. Um, I just kind of have felt all along like, you know, it's just something that I need to be mentally tough enough to manage on my own. Um, but kind of admitting that, you know, no, she does have a pretty extensive difficulties. Um, admitting that that was the case was a really pivotal moment in all of this. And just that kind of gave me permission in my own head to lean more into supports and, um, and other people. And just like admitting that things are going to be different with her than with my biological, typically developing kids um, and not trying to force her into a mold and um, knowing that, yes, I will have to parent her differently um, and some things we'll have to work harder at and, you know, just not feeling so much guilt on a daily basis with all the things that come with um just kind of managing her and her happiness and well-being. Because um, that at the end of the day, that was the issue. Still is a huge battle for me. It's just feeling guilty that it's not the same with all my kids. Um, so if anybody out there has a child that's um, got a disability of any shape, size, color, you know, whatever it might be, um, Maybe you should go to therapy <laughs> because, um, yeah, there's a lot to that. And I will say this also. Um, so I actually did start very recently with some counseling just because I felt like I needed to do, you know, something else to help me, you know, make my way through things. Um, and I shared with this therapist that probably my biggest source of stress on a daily basis um, is, you know, my, just a lot of it stems from my relationship with my oldest child um, and her needs and all that. And, and honestly, the session just morphed into um, finding her more services and here are all these resources for your daughter to, you know, get her help and, you know, kind of fix her and, um, 
which is great and I appreciate the heart of it but like maybe what I didn't do a good job of communicating is that my everyday revolves around getting this kid the services that she needs and taking her here and there and everywhere trying to you know make her life better and you know just suffering a lot of burnout as a result of that um and then I walked away from that appointment with like absolutely zero tips on like how to manage my own stress you know I just had this list of things to do for my daughter um and then I you know I don't think that was ideal and uh just stepping back and and reflecting on it a little bit I don't think that that would be like the the norm and that might just be where it was kind of more like an intake session but if you feel like if you've reached out for help and you're not getting the help that you need um then it's okay to like secret seek a different route you know I was very tempted to say well tried that that didn't work but what I'll probably do is just you know either give it a note another go with the same therapist or maybe reach out to somewhere else where you know I feel like you're actually getting to some other some other things that can help me actually manage day-to-day life so I just want to say like Sometimes you have to fight to get your self-care, which is terrible that that's the way that our system works. But, I mean, I have been to the doctor's office several times before, and, you know, they're like, do you feel depressed? And, or do you have any depressive symptoms? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And then, you know, that's not the topic of my visit. And so, you know, they check the box, yes, in their chart, but then, you know, it never comes up in conversation for the rest of the visit and you know you're like well that was my cry for help and (laughs) it just got ignored um so I I just want to say if that's happening to you like that's definitely not okay and that you should definitely not give up just because that has happened um sadly I think it is the case a lot of times that you do kind of have to be bolder with it but yeah anyways um all of that with you know my other child was a was a big perpetuating factor in a lot of things because at the root of so much of you know postpartum and general depression I feel like is this um disconnect that we feel whenever our expectations don't meet up with reality and so you know that's when you see that so much of this internal strife happens Um, And so just maybe if there are some things that you can do to work through your perceptions of things and, um, you know, how, how you're perceiving stress, not like, can you change the stressor even, but although that might be helpful, but can you change the way that you look at something that's stressful and reframe it in your mind that it's not quite as stressful. And I think that's what skilled therapy does such a good job at, um, at least that is what it should do. Um, but yeah, my poor husband has been so supportive in all of this and he's so patient. Um, I know it has to be so frustrating for, for him looking in from the outside, um, and trying to help and just being like a really hard person to help. Um, cause you know, at so many points, if I were to ask myself the question, like, what do you want? Like, I would not even be able to answer it. Like, you just, like, 
get so lost in like not even knowing yourself and feeling detached from reality. Um, I, I just did not even know what I wanted or needed at the core of things. Like I knew that taking a shower for 10 minutes all by myself, as much as a treat that that would be, that is not what I really needed. Um, so it's just like a really hard feeling to articulate then and even now, you know. Um, I do think that so much of it is hormones as, you know, is the case with postpartum depression. There's a lot of levels of lots of things that are all over and can um, perpetuate all of this. But yeah, there, like I said, there's just this kind of disconnect between expectation and reality and just kind of like losing yourself in all of it, if that makes any sense at all. Um, but, you know, I mentioned a lot of the symptoms that I had um, that, you know, you might watch out for if, you know, you're kind of walking through similar things in life. But really, more than anything, I guess I felt was just um, feelings of numbness. And I know that this will sound disturbing to anyone who knows me. Um, but I remember honestly thinking some days if I died right now like I honestly would not even care like I was not suicidal um, but I was just like completely ambivalent about my life um, just at certain moments not like all the time but and there would not necessarily be any kind of trigger for that even um, just saying this right now it's so hard to even wrap my wrap my mind around being in that low of a spot like I love my family more than anything and I love my life and really I live a pretty charmed life and have loving relationships and don't lack any physical need um but I mean I think we all just look at suicide and self-injurious behavior or injuring others and addiction, all of those things that have a huge stigma attached and think, oh, I can never do that. But I think it's pretty arrogant to think like this because you just never truly know. Um, and you know, you think of, I think we all can think of somebody who has been connected to us in some way, maybe even just like a friend of a friend who has committed suicide. Um, or, you know, other another really taboo um, mental health-related issue. And, you know, you probably would never pin them as someone who was capable, quote, capable of doing something like that. But, like, I think it just takes a lot of humility on all of our parts to, um, you know, acknowledge that, gosh, we're all so vulnerable to, you know, the craziness of life and um, experiencing, you know, more medical things that really have a strong influence over our psyche. And um, yeah, I just think that's another reason to keep the conversation open and take away the stigma and talk about crazy feelings that you have um, to keep one another in check. Um, you know, not just coming up to random people on the street, but close loved ones like, yeah, they should you should be checking in with yourself and um, they should be checking in with you and you should be checking in with them, that kind of thing. Because um, I think that so many of these things perpetuate whenever they happen in isolation. You know, that's when they escalate 
it's whenever you find yourself on those islands. Um, but anyways, a, a therapist also is a, another good option, obviously, in addition to loved ones, because, you know, you may not necessarily want to just waltz straight up to a loved one and be like, you know, I'm having these crazy thoughts whenever, you know, there was nothing on the radar of anything even being wrong with you. But of course, the therapist is very attuned to all that and or they're not going to react and all that. Um, so, yeah, I mentioned how for me, things just shifted very gradually and that made my symptoms not really easy to pinpoint because, you know, by the time I caught on to patterns, like things had shifted, I would, you know, anyways, if I'd been open and honest about all these things all along, um, then I don't think I'd have spiraled quite so badly, um, and ended up such a mess, but yeah, I, I was a hot mess and, you know, still am some days, but coming through it, uh, and as a healthcare provider, even it's, it's so disgraceful, but, um, I just kind of cast it all aside knowing that, you know, they'd try to put me on medicine or, you know, wait list me for therapy or something. And, um, I even knew that, you know, postpartum depression was far more likely for me just because of, you know, my family history. Um, but in all of the mess of daily life, for whatever reason, just find yourself putting yourself off uh, when it comes to getting the care you need. Um, and I, I had taken medicine long ago for, a season of depression and honestly I didn't want to go that route again anyways for all of the side effects that I personally had experienced um and but you know speaking of medicine it it finally dawned on me this is going to sound ridiculous um with all of my education in lifestyle medicine that I'm not even making lifestyle medicine a pro priority or practicing what I preach um Really, it's been very recently since a friend convinced me to sign up for a half marathon that I've started to really feel the curtain lifting on these depressive symptoms that I've been feeling. Um, and so that being getting more moderate intensity exercise in, and I am exercising outside in the sunshine, which I feel like makes a difference. Um, it, it just sounds so crazy, though, that there's such a disconnect between what I know cognitively and what I actually do. Because, um, you know, like exercise is my bread and butter as a physical therapist. And I know all about all the mental health benefits of movement. But still, it took me getting to an extremely dark place to prioritize that time enough to get some moderate intensity exercise in. I think that I justified it in my head that I, you know, thought that I was getting a lot more exercise in between, you know, lifting kids all day and picking up toys and like literally never sitting down all day long, just doing busy work around the house or, you know, yeah, I'm pretty active at my job. Um, but, you know, it is different and not getting that really, I guess, was affecting me a lot more than I realized. Um, which is pretty embarrassing to say, but, um, I just, I just wanted to take some time and share all this with everybody in hopes that it could maybe give you the encouragement, the bravery that you need to, you know, reach out to somebody, get some help to know that you're not alone in all this. Um, I feel like I'm a 
a pretty normal person at surface level, but like I've been going through some pretty hard things this past year and really for no particular reason, um, which is maybe the scariest thing about postpartum depression is like really, you know, your life can be just perfect and, um, not that anybody's life is perfect. Like there's always just something going on, but, um, you know, you can live a good life and still experience some real, really crazy stuff. And it can be embarrassing almost to admit that. But I think if we all opened up a little bit more, we could help each other along and not feel like we're each suffering on an island. And hopefully, you know, these can things can become more brief seasons and um, things that we can learn from instead of, you know, lifestyles that really end up affecting our our daily life for long periods of time and of course that affects our kids too I can tell story after horrible story after that my poor kids um they're so good to put up with me but anyways you know I hope that some of this can help help you to try and do what you need to do to reach out and get help um lean into your support system and just get to feeling better. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening today. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review to help others find it so that they can learn more about how to raise healthy babies that turn into healthy adults. Visit nurturehealthhome.com for our blog and to find more information about how booking an infant wellness consultation could help you and your little one bond better and meet developmental milestones. And you can also find us on the Instagram at nurturehealthhome. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.